If you're injured or looking to prevent injuries, this is the episode for you. So you probably have to improve on one, at least one, of these five common themes that I've seen with injured runners. When a runner's injured, there are movement patterns that they fall into, especially if you have a common running injury like plantar fasciitis or shin splints or ITB syndrome, where the pain is coming on gradually and it's not necessarily a traumatic injury and it gets worse over time. So today we're going to go through five common themes I've seen in injured runners. Treating a running injury can be really frustrating. I completely understand that, especially if you're training for a race or you're trying to hit your running goals, but I think this episode might give you more clarity on what's going on. At the time of this recording, I'm going to be running a 10K in Richmond in a couple days. Kiera D'Amato is also running it, so I'm really excited for that. And I'm honestly just happy to be running it because I've had some hip pain over the past couple months and it's been frustrating. But if you're a PT, you know we are honestly the worst patients out there because it's almost like we know what we need to do, but we don't execute them and we don't do them until the pain gets worse than we would like. So I finally did my exercises. I came out stronger. I don't have as much pain. I got the right plan in place. And now I can increase my mileage and work on my speed. And that's always a good feeling. But if you're still injured, maybe you're not able to race. You're not able to hit your running goals. The best advice I can give you is to make sure you have the right plan in place. You want to make sure that it's addressing the source of the pain. You don't want to just wing it. You don't want to just rest and hope it goes away. You definitely want to get a plan in place. Also, getting a plan in place is not trying random exercises on the internet. I know I post them all the time on my YouTube and my Instagram and TikTok, and they can work for some people. It just depends on what stage you're in, in terms of where you're rehabbing, what's actually causing the injury, and the severity of the injury. So you want to get a plan in place for your injury so you can address the source of the pain. And that's also going to help you if you're feeling stuck, you feel like, I'm just going to have to live with this pain, but hopefully going through these common themes will maybe give you some clarity. So let's get into the five common themes of injured runners. The first one is big toe weakness, and then you have tight ankles is number two. Number three is tight hips. Number four is hip weakness, and number five is pelvic instability. I know with my hip injury, I had all five of these themes going on on the injured side. So the injured side for me was the left side, all five of these themes going on. But they were different severities for each. Like my ankle was tight, but it wasn't the tightest ankle ever. It was just tighter compared to the other side. But it was still evident that these themes were going on and I needed to work on them, especially if I wanted to get out of pain. So let's start with big toe weakness. I know this can sound weird talking about your toes, but they might do more than you think. As you run, your big toe is controlling your foot stability and your arch control as you push off the ground and when your foot hits the ground. So if your big toe isn't strong, you're going to compensate. And this can look like pushing off the outside of your foot to avoid the big toe or the ball of your foot. So you're kind of just skipping the toes altogether. I've even seen runners have a big corn or a callus, something that's built up on the ball of their foot from pushing off of it instead of the big toe. Another crazy role, you're not gonna believe this, but it also helps with glute activation. And you might be thinking, how? <laughs> like, is this about to unlock why I have this hip injury or why I can't activate my glutes? It definitely could. 
So as your foot lands on the ground with each stride, your big toe helps your ankle pronate. That's a natural movement during gait. So ankle pronation. As your ankle pronates, your hip goes into stance phase, which is like a single leg position. And now you're able to activate your glutes. So if you can't get that big toe on the ground in the first place or it's weak, you're not able to activate your glutes as much as you would like. You're not going to feel as strong or as powerful. And maybe this could be the cause of like ITB syndrome, which is definitely from lack of glute activation, specifically more the glute max and the glute med. I know this connection's wild, but it really does show how important the big toe is when we're running and rehabbing. Moving on to the second theme, which is having a tight ankle, specifically into ankle dorsiflexion. Now, ankle dorsiflexion remembers when you bring your toes up or if your knee is going over your toes. So think of going down the stairs, squatting, Running is another good example. And usually sometimes I'm asked if it's the joint itself or is it the calf that's restricting the motion? Like if you always have a tight calf, is that causing lack of ankle dorsiflexion? And even if the calf is tight, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's in a shortened position to where it can't stretch and to where it's not affecting the motion at the ankle. It just could mean that it's weak and you need to be strengthening it. A common compensation of tight ankles is if you have squatted or you strength train, which you should, you might have noticed that when your ankle feels tight, you might point your toes out when you squat or you might lift your heels up when you squat. This is your body compensating because it can't get into enough ankle dorsiflexion. So having the goal of about 10 degrees minimum of ankle dorsiflexion, that just looks like being able to bring your knee a couple inches over your toes. That's a really good goal to have. And you're obviously keeping your heel on the ground when you do that. So if you can achieve this and it feels good, you're good to go. But always compare both sides. If it feels tight or it feels painful, it's something that needs to be addressed in rehab. Or if you're trying to prevent injuries, I would definitely address it. So if it's tight and you're running, you're going to have a lot more force through your knee, your hip, your low back, because your ankle is now not able to take on the shock with each stride. Maybe you've heard a runner who sounds really heavy and loud every time their foot hits the ground. That could be a sign that they have tight ankles, and I always call this pounding pavement. (laughs) And I feel like that's a common theme, especially if you have chronic ankle sprains where you're just twisted your ankle and sprained your ankle so many times growing up or as you run, especially if you're on trails. That is very common to have tight ankles into ankle dorsiflexion specifically, not necessarily the lateral movements. So if you want to improve your ankle mobility, the first thing I would do is strength train through the entire range of motion of the ankle. So this might look like a heel raise off a step where the ball of your foot and your toes are on the step and you're dropping your heel past the step height as you lift and lower your heel. So as your heel is down, you're actually into ankle dorsiflexion and then you lift it all the way up, you're into plantar flexion. And as you bring that heel back down, you're back into dorsiflexion. I would also make sure you loosen them up before you run, maybe in a dynamic warm up and some running drills, and then also after you run with some mobility work. Moving on to the third theme, tight hips. And specifically, I'm talking more about mobility than flexibility. Most of the time, if your hip feels tight, it's usually into extension and hip internal rotation. Hip extension just means the hip is behind you. This is usually the case when you're about to push off the ground 
and swing your leg through, and then hip internal rotation. Flexion and external rotation are usually fine. These are just common themes, so this isn't true for everyone. If you're dealing with hip tightness or weakness, you might want to write this down. This next thing I'm about to say is a very common theme. Not true for everyone, but if you're trying to figure your hip pain or tightness out, check this out. If you have a weak hip, a general rule of thumb is that you want to strengthen it into hip external rotation. So I don't normally give out clamshells, but if you know what a clamshell is in the sideline position, that's into hip external rotation. If your hip is tight compared to the other side, maybe you don't have full range of motion, you want to improve your hip internal rotation. Now, like I said, this is not true for everyone, every hip injury, every single type of hip pain. This is just a general rule. But remember, there's a difference between your hip feeling tight and it actually being tight. So if it just feels tight, it might actually need to be strengthened. But if it's actually tight, like if you compare both sides, left and right side, and you notice that one side doesn't have that full range of motion, that's when you want to improve your hip internal rotation. It's not going to hurt to strengthen it as well, but you do want to work on your mobility just to make sure you have good range of motion for running and you're not compensating. If you observed a lot of injured runners and compared them to non-injured runners, the injured runners are usually not able to get your hip into hip extension, hip internal rotation. Like I said, the compensations really occur here because now your pelvis and your low back are compensating because your body has to find a way to make up for this range of motion. And when you aren't getting into that full hip extension, you're not able to use your posterior chain, like your glutes, your hamstrings, your soleus as much because now your hip isn't into full hip extension from the hip joint. It just appears like it's in hip extension from your low back overarching. So I recommend if you want to improve your range of motion, make sure you spend say five to 10 minutes going through a dynamic warm up, and maybe another five to 10 minutes after you run with some post run mobility movements. If you know your hip is tight, make sure you're doing movements that actually address hip tightness over stretching your hamstrings, stretching the, the muscles that surround your hip joint. You really want to focus more on that joint mobility. And the fifth common theme is very similar to hip mobility, and that is all about hip weakness. So your hip is a ball and socket joint, which just means it can move pretty much in every direction. Your shoulder is also a ball and socket joint. So when you have more motion, think about all that motion you have in your hip and your shoulder, you have more motion. You need to be able to control that motion. Hands down, you have to be able to control that range of motion with the amount of force that goes into your body with each stride. So as you work on your hip mobility, or maybe you're hypermobile, which just means you have a lot of mobility to start with, you need to improve your hip stability. They go hand in hand. Maybe you've heard the term stability, or maybe you've heard me even say you need to work on your stability and you aren't really sure what that means. Stability really comes down to controlling your body through a range of motion. So if you're not able to maintain proper form through your motion, maybe your pelvis is dropping, your hips are rotating, some sort of compensations happening. Your goal as a runner should be to control your movements before you add on any speed or power. Maybe you've seen the triangle that I always work off of for injury prevention and just to be a great runner. And it starts at the bottom with your foundation, which just is mobility and stability. That is 
the foundation. You need those fundamentals. As you improve your mobility and stability, the next tier going up the triangle is strength. That's when you can start to add on more weight, really work on your hypertrophy of your muscles. And on top of strength is power and speed. That is your icing on the cake. That is not something you work on without having that foundation or without having your strength. So one exercise I always like to encourage runners to go through to improve your stability and really your mobility is a single leg squat. This is going to test your ankle stability, your hip stability, your pelvic stability, as well as your balance and your ankle mobility and your hip mobility. So I always love the single leg squat. If you have full range of motion in your single leg squat, it's going to require a lot more stability. Again, as you increase your mobility, you are increasing your stability. But a lot of runners, I'll see they'll lose their balance. Maybe their pelvis will drop. Their knee might cave in or move laterally and there's a lot of instability there. But the single leg squat is hands down one of the best things that you can work on outside of running. And I'm not talking about with weights. You're really just doing this body weight in front of the mirror, ideally, and you're comparing the left side to the right side. You're comparing maybe the injured side to the non-injured side or the weak side to the strong side, just so you can get a feel of what does it feel like when I go through this motion. And now you're more self-aware of how your body's doing. You're more aware of where is your weaknesses, where are your strengths. The goal of the single leg squat is ideally if you have your hands on your pelvis and you squat down, your pelvis should remain pretty level as you go down. You shouldn't be dipping one hip or the pelvis to one side or rotating it. But most of the time, if you're injured, it will dip or rotate. And that is theme number five, pelvic instability. So if your pelvis is rotating and maybe you can't control your hips when you're running, This usually looks like you having a lot of rotation with each stride and rotation is normal. Your pelvis is going to rotate just because of the way it's connected to your hips and your hips are rotating. So a little bit of rotation is fine, but just like with anything you're running too much is not ideal because now you have more instability in your hips and your knee. So let's take this to outside of running. You want to be training in different planes. You need to rotate. You need to move laterally. You need to add a weight and resistance when it's necessary and challenge your body in these different planes. Some of like the most common exercises, if you Google strength training for runners, they're only in frontal plane. Think planks, squats, lunges, deadlifts, sit-ups, push-ups. These exercises are great. There's nothing wrong with them, but there's no rotation. There's no rotation. That is all frontal plane movement. You want to be able to control that rotation and the anti-rotation, okay? So that's when it gets a little tricky because you want to be able to control rotation to the left and to the right and anti-rotation. So when you control rotation, you're really working on your core stability, but also if you control an anti-rotation, think you're in a plank position and you lift your right arm straight out in front. Now your hips might rotate to the left because you lifted that right arm, but ideally you want to keep your hips square to the ground and that's that anti-rotation. So working both the rotation and the anti-rotation. Working both is going to set you above the rest. So now you're going to be a great runner. You're going to be able to prevent injuries. And I feel like that's always so nice when it's like certain movements, just check, check that I'm preventing injuries, check that I'm going to be running stronger, check that I'm going to be able to build my confidence. Just checking all those boxes off 
with a couple different movements is always so nice. So outside of running, I want you to be able to learn to control your movements. I preach this in all of my programs and one-on-one clients. Have control, focus on your quality of movement before you add anything crazy. And crazy in my eyes is like, adding weight or working on speed. You have to be able to have that foundation down before you do anything else. And really all of these five common themes are focusing on your foundation. It's either a mobility deficit or you're unstable. Nothing has to do with how much power you can produce or how much or how much weight you can squat. It all has to do with your foundation. So that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in the gym for hours each day, it just means you need to find a routine that works for you, a routine where you can incorporate your mobility, your strength, your stability, and then eventually your power and your speed as you become stronger and you're able to control those movements. But make sure you stay consistent with this. This is just like if you're trying to increase your speed when you're running, that's going to take time. So make sure you're not expecting any quick results. Those just aren't really a thing when it comes to running. (laughs) So if you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a review, share it with your favorite running buddy or a friend. I really, really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time. Bye.